you here with us again. And, and uh, like Reland said, we are in part two of our series, Act Like Men. And the title of the sermon today is God is in Control. And I, I have to start this morning by actually just celebrating. Um, and I, I just have to give God glory, give God praise for what He's doing in our church and in, especially in the men of our church. And last week, a challenge was given to the men. And we were praying that over 50 men would... Actually, we were praying for 50, okay? I was struggling in my faith. I'm like, I don't think we've ever had 50 men commit to anything. So we were praying for 50 men to commit to the challenge. And, uh, man, by God's grace, so far, 55 men have committed to the Act Like Man Challenge. It's uh, 40 days. And, uh, gosh, how cool is that, man? That is so, so amazing. We're stepping out in faith. We're trusting the Lord is going to work mightily in your heart and in your life. And uh, we're just, just stepping out and trusting the Lord and saying, Lord, we're, we're going we're gonna to put forth effort in seeking you. And, the, and we trust, like the Scripture says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And we're just trusting that God is going to make Himself known to you in ways that you've never, ever experienced before. Um, by the way, if you weren't here last Sunday... Uh, you can you can still commit to this challenge, all right? You, you'll be, be behind a little bit, but that's okay. You can catch up with us. Um, you can still sign up for this 40-day challenge by going back to the Welcome Center in the lobby or by going to gracechurchdurango.com and uh, clicking the events tab. And what you need to do is you need to pur- purchase this book. It's 15 bucks, and uh, it has 40 different studies in it, and it's one study each day for 40 days. And so far, it's just been really good the first uh, week that we've gone through it. So if, if you haven't signed up for that, we want to encourage you to do that. And let's take that number, you know, past 70. That'd be awesome. So, man, I want to just thank you. Man, thank you for taking the challenge. And we're praying for you that God uh, blesses you for stepping up to the challenge. And so today we're in part two of our four-week series called The Man. And, and last week we looked at the difference between... A worthless man and a man of honor. We looked at the difference between a worthless man and a man of God. We learned that men of honor are men that stand up for what's right. We learned that men of honor are men that speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. They stand strong even in the midst of hardship or persecution. Honorable men are humble, and men of honor serve the one and only true King, Jesus Christ. We also saw that a worthless man, on the other hand, are men that are entitled. They feel like they deserve everything. They're entitled rather than grateful. They don't earn, they take. They're either cowards or bullies. They're grown men who are willing to let boys lead. They're men who are passive, men who have no respect for the Lord. They're lazy, they're self-centered, self-indulgent, unwilling to work, and they use and abuse people. A worthless man, we learn, is unwilling to help or to lead or to serve. He's proud and he's unwilling to listen or learn. He already knows it all. Guys, I, I know one thing for a fact You don't want to be that kind of a man. I know that about you. And I don't want to be that kind of a man. We don't want to be that. And I don't don't wish that list upon any of you men. 
the list of a worthless man. That's not what any of us want. So in order to be men of honor, we have to take intentional steps. We have to take deliberate uh, steps. We have to make deliberate decisions to become men of honor. Becoming a man of honor doesn't happen by accident. So over the next three weeks, throughout the rest of this series, I'm going to talk about things that you can do intentionally to become men of honor. I'm going to attempt to pastor you. I'm going to attempt to lead you to do things on purpose to become a great and mighty man of God. And just a little disclaimer, even though I'm preaching this series, I'm not by any means saying that I am a great and mighty man of God. I just happen to be in this position where I get to speak to you And I too am learning with you. I too am journeying with you. I too struggle with stepping up sometimes to be the man that I need to be. So please don't don't take it as if I'm way up here and you're way down here. As a matter of fact, many times it's probably just the opposite. Today, we're going to be looking at a topic that plagues many of us men. Today, we're going to be talking about the issue of control. We, as men, want to be in control. We want things done our way. There's many things in our lives that we want to control. We would love it. I would love it. I don't know about you, but I would love it if I could make up my own rules. And many times I try, right? Many times you try to make up your own rules as you go. We don't want to give up control. Giving up control means surrender. Come on, in the manual for men, surrender is a four-letter word. That's a word we don't use. We don't surrender. Men don't surrender. What are you talking about, surrender? Are you kidding me? Surrender? Every day you have to make a decision. Who's going to be in control of your life? You or God? That decision is a huge battle for us as men. It's intense spiritual warfare. We don't want to give up control. We're going to be looking at one verse today specifically. And man, this verse has just been rocking me this week. It's been rocking me. It's in Psalm chapter 46, and it's verse 10. And in this simple verse, we're given the answer as to how we can overcome the control crisis many of us face in our lives. And many of us face this this crisis on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute basis, sometimes every second of the day. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. It's a good verse. 
the words be still have, have caused many men, I believe, to struggle. Because we're doers. We like to build things. We like to accomplish things. We like to get after it. Be still? Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. I uh, don't want to bore you, but I did a little word study on the words, be still. And it actually means to slacken or to loosen your grip. To just let go a little bit. Just loosen your grip a little bit. The psalmist isn't telling us to go sit down and be still and let God do everything for us. No, he's telling us to loosen our grips. He's telling us to let go of control to the one who's in control. The psalmist is telling us to let God be God. He says, listen, quit trying to be God. Many of us are trying to control things only God can control. Whenever we face situations that are out of control, we have a tendency to to go to one of two extremes. For some of you, the more out of control your life seems to get, the harder or the more close-fisted you get, the harder you try to control it. You become hyper-controlling like a Nazi. Some of you do the exact opposite. When, when life gets out of control and circumstances around you are chaotic, you just give up. You throw a pity party and you invite yourself to it. Both of these reactions are foolish. Instead of being a victim or instead of becoming hyper-controlling, you need to surrender. The number one reason things are out of control in your life is because you're in conflict with God. You're trying to be God. You're trying to take His position. You're trying to control things only God can control. You're trying to be God. And let me just remind us, there is only one God. And last I checked, He's not giving up that position anytime soon. And He's not giving it up to you or to me. Let's talk about some things that you can't, cannot control. You cannot control your wife. Come on, are you with me? Amen. There's a lot of heads nodding there. Woo! We know that one, right, fellas? Can't control your wife. You can't control your children. You can't control your job, your future. You didn't control your past. You can't control when you're going to die. You can't keep yourself from aging. You can't even make yourself grow two inches. You can't even make hair grow on your head. Trust me, I've tried. When you get on an airplane... You can't control what the pilots do. I used to be deathly afraid of flying. I don't know if you guys have seen the A-Team a long time ago, right? This is proving my age. Remember Mr. T? Anytime he had to get on a plane, they had to knock him out. Man, that was me. Like I, I was deathly afraid of flying. And it actually had nothing to do with flying. 
I actually love being above the clouds. I love seeing the earth below. I mean, it's an amazing experience. But for me, it was a control issue. I didn't like to fly because I wasn't in control. I wasn't flying the plane. I didn't know if the pilots were drunk or sober, right? I didn't know if they were asleep or awake. I didn't know if there was enough fuel to reach our destination. I didn't know if the mechanics did a good job when they serviced the plane. I wasn't in control, so I didn't like to fly. I've lost count as to how many times I've flown. And do you know what helped me to get onto a plane time and time again? Do you know what helped me to get on that plane that flew to Transkei, South Africa, over an 18-hour flight across the Atlantic? I had to surrender. I had to say, God, I, I can't control everything. I was wearing myself out. I was really tired because I was like looking out the window, watching them, you know, put the luggage on and making sure the guy's checking the, you know, the tire pressure and making sure if I, man, if the pilot walked in, I was giving him a once over, man. I'm like, I wanted to shake his hand. I wanted to smell his breath. You know, I wanted to know. I was wearing myself out. I said, God, I can't control everything. I surrender to you. I surrender to your will. I knew that God had called me to go on that trip to South Africa. And I knew that riding a boat across the Atlantic would take too long. So I surrendered and got on that plane. Psalm 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Church, let me, let me remind us, who is the author of fear? It's our great enemy, Satan. Man, he wants us to be afraid so that we stay on the sidelines, so that we stay ineffective. I walked onto that big Boeing 747, and man, I experienced great and mighty things. What is it for you? Maybe it's not flying, you know? That's just what it was for me, but what is it for you? What is it that you want to control so tightly that you're not going to release and let, let go of? You're afraid. What is it for you? What do you need to loosen your grip on? Usually a need to control is rooted in fear. Maybe you're afraid of failure. So you'll micromanage you know, the people that are under your care to the point that they can't stand you any longer. Fear or a need of control, man, it could have kept me from getting on that plane. It could have kept us from partnering with Kelly Kosky. Fear could have kept us from seeing people saved on that trip. Fear could have kept us from seeing a Bible college that has tripled in size. Fear could have kept us from seeing the great things that are yet to come. You've got to loosen your grip. You've got to surrender Because trying to control everything is hard, hard work. You know, actually, you're you're probably really tired right now. If if you're sleeping, it's because you're a control freak. You're really, really tired. 
Loosen your grip. Let God be God. I know many of you are still arguing with me in your mind, so let me just drive this home a little bit further. We control very little. We can't control nature. We can't control flash floods and rain. We can't control lightning or rising rivers, earthquakes. We don't control the sun, the moon. We don't control when a star shoots across the sky. We control very, very little. We can't control the traffic. Oh, man, if we could control the traffic. Seriously, I... If there was a button I could push that could launch cars out of the way. We can't control the economy. What about time? Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. We can't control time. We can't even control a charging herd of buffalo, right? If it's just you and the buffalo, I hope you can run really fast. Like, we can't control much. We are in control of very little. You've got to loosen your grip. You've got to surrender. You've got to give up control to the one who's in control. So what does it look like? It's like, all right, I know, man, I'm a man. I know kind of how it works in, in our minds. It's like, all right, that sounds good and stuff. But how does that work practically? How does, it, how does it look? How does it work to surrender to the Lord? Because when guys hear the word surrender, we think of the worthless, worthless men we were talking about last week. How does this surrendering thing work? How do you know if you're surrendering to the Lord? Let me, let me just encourage you, church. Surrender can actually be one of the bravest, most courageous things you will ever do. Surrendering your life to God means you follow His lead not knowing where He's going to take you. Surrendering your life to God means you wait on God's timing not knowing when it will come. Surrendering your life means you trust God's provision not knowing when He will provide. Surrendering your life to God means you trust God's purposes even though you don't understand the circumstances. And by the way, man, and just by the way, Jesus isn't asking us to do something He wasn't willing to do Himself. He was the supreme example of self-surrender. On the night before His crucifixion, Jesus surrendered Himself to God's plan. It was the bravest, most courageous act in the history of mankind. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, Jesus prayed this. He said, with drops of blood coming down His forehead because He was so intense. Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, everything is possible for you. 
You're all powerful. Please, Daddy. Please, Abba Father, take this cup of suffering away from me. Father, is there any other way? Yet I want your will, Father, to be done, not mine. Dang. Jesus surrendered himself to God's will. Jesus modeled what it looks like to loosen your grip, to to let go of control, to surrender to God. There is one thing we all can control. We can't control much, but there is one thing that we can control, and that one thing is your decisions. Not your wife's decisions, okay? Not your children's decisions, your decisions. Your decisions make all the difference. And just so you know, not to decide is to decide. Not making decisions is actually making decisions. What do you, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean that many of us men, we think that if we can just get in this little passive comfort zone and nobody will notice and I just don't have to decide and I'll just kind of get by, you're actually deciding not to go all in with Christ. James chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, it says this, But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Passive decision-making, okay, being unwilling to take a stand, one foot with God and one foot with the world, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Verse 7, Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Not to decide is to decide. Not to decide is to decide. Jesus led by example because His loyalties were not divided. Jesus surrendered to God's will, even though everything in His flesh... Everything in his flesh was hoping and praying and yearning that the cup of suffering would pass. Jesus made the decision to follow his Father's will, knowing full well the consequences. Man, it's so tempting as pastors to get up here and to try to say, hey, you need to follow Jesus because if you do, you know... You're going to be blessed and you're going to get this and you're going to get that and it's going to be awesome. And woo, sign up on the dotted line to be a Christian, you know? But I have to be honest with you to say, you're actually signing up for war. And it's probably going to get more difficult when you decide to follow Jesus. And you're probably going to get attacked and you're probably going to get knocked down sometimes. And. There's going to be some times you want to quit. And there's going to be times where, like Jesus, you're going to say, can this cup just please pass from me? Like, what the heck? Come on. Can I just have a day of peace? 
Jesus made the decision, and I want to encourage you to make the decision to follow God knowing full well the consequences. And I don't want to go to the other extreme where I scare you to death. But I I want to be honest. I want to be real with you. And I want to say, church, guess what? If you make the decision to follow Jesus Christ, the, the Bible says, God's promises says, you will not regret it. It will be difficult. It will be hard. You will get knocked down. There will be days you want to quit. But you will not get to the end of your life and look back and go, dang, I wish I wouldn't have followed Jesus. That just will not happen. You will not regret it. We have that promise. We have that promise. Every day you have to make the decision, am I going to try to control my life? Am I going to try to control the wife? My, my, the wife. <laughs> that was spirit-led right there. Am I going to try to control my life? Or am I going to let God control my life? But pastor, how do, we, how do we loosen our grip? How do I surrender to God? Psalm 46.10 Be still or loosen your grip and know that I am God. To surrender to God, you need to know God. And it's not just like knowing about God like I know about Abraham Lincoln. It's knowing God. You need to know God. But I've never seen God. But that's why it's called faith. And without faith, the Scripture says, it is impossible to please God. I've never seen God. You've never seen the wind, but we all know it's there. You need to know God. And once you know God, you should then honor Him by serving Him. Psalm 46.10, Loosen your grip and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. He is the King in church. He has already won the war. You're signing up for a war that's already been won. He will be honored. So honor Him by serving Him. Serve Him by following Him. Serve Him by doing what He says in His Word. And serve Him by trusting Him. Jesus said, Love the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is what it means to worship God. This is what it means to surrender to God. So I have to ask you, do you know God? Do you love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength? Guys, I know a lot of you are asking the question right now in your mind, how does it work? Surrendering control to the one who's in control, how does it work in real life? How does it work in my family, in my business? How does it work in the church? How can I apply this to daily life? How can I use this tomorrow morning? I'm going to finish the sermon this morning by just giving you some practical considerations by showing you how to surrender control to the one who's in control. Man, in in doing so, it will benefit your life like nothing else could. How do you surrender control as you lead your family? Let me just give you some thoughts to think about, okay? Let me give you some practical considerations. 
How do you surrender control as you lead your family? First of all, you need to live it. Okay, if, if it's not real in your life, your wife, your children, everyone else is going to see through the hypocrisy. So if you're faking it, please do yourself and your family a favor and knock it off. If you're something different at home than you are at church, shame on you. Be a man and be real. Be real. Quit faking it. Live out your faith for your family to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Live out your faith for your family to follow. Man, I've, I've counseled men. I've talked with many men who said, I just don't want my children to see me mess up. I'm here to say, I think sometimes there's nothing better than for them to see you mess up and to get back up. To say, Dad's not perfect. He made a mistake. He owned up to his mistake. And he's correcting his mistake. And he's dusting himself off and he's getting back up. You also need to know in leading your family, you know how do you surrender control as you lead your family? You need to know that your wife, she isn't behind you. Okay? She's not following you like with her head down like a little puppy dog. She is beside you. She's beside you. You are not better than your wife. The Bible says you are one flesh. You're a team. And you're working together to raise up not a perfect family, but a family that's real. And by God's grace, a family that really loves Jesus. Surrender means you're a leader, not a boss. Instead of bossing everyone around and being really annoying, you can actually lead by serving. Be a servant like Jesus Christ. Serve your family. Here's a really powerful question that I heard from Andy Stanley. He was preaching a message. He said, what can I do to help? Man, ask your wife that. Ask your children. What can I do to help you today? Serve your family. When you get down, when you get down low to lift someone else up, in God's eyes, you don't get any higher. Man, He's all about servant leadership. Loosen your grip. Come on, guys. Loosen your grip. And be a servant. Fellas, the best way to lead your family, the best way to surrender control to God is to lead from your knees. By simply going to the Lord in prayer, we're demonstrating the fact that we're not in control. And prayer reminds us how desperately we need Him. We don't control much. So we need to go to the One who's in control and just... Speak with Him and learn from Him and listen to Him through prayer. Okay, so, so how does surrender apply to leading a business? This is, this is my attempt to pastor you a little bit. Just giving you some practical things to think about. How in the world do you su- surrender control 
while at the same time you have to lead a business. Because in our culture, in our day, it's like, no, you don't let go of control. You control things. You're the boss. But here's a couple things for you to consider. I would suggest that you consider abandoning the one-man band syndrome. Okay? A one-man band doesn't sound very good, first of all. And a one-man band doesn't work very good. A good business needs a good leader who can let go of the need to do it all. Let go. Loosening your grip on your business means you hire people who are better than you. Just giving you some things to think about. Hire people that are better than you are. I've learned so much from the people around me, the pastors around me, the leaders around me. And I try to keep this a secret, but I am the low man on the totem pole, okay? When we have a leadership meeting, I am not the smartest man in the room, okay? Because I have people that are better than me around me. Hire people who are better than you. Pastor Chris, he does all the graphics in and around Grace Church. If you've gone to our website, if you see graphics on the screen, he is awesome when he does these graphics. He does such a great job. He's really good at it. He's a lot better than me at making these graphics. And he did this the man graphic, all right? That graphic right there, which I think is kind of rad, all right? It's pretty awesome. He made the graphic, made it look good. And so if I tried to make the same graphic, it would probably look something like this, all right? (laughs) Ronnie, yeah, nice beard. So I'm just trying to prove my point. You need to have better people around you. Don't do everything because you're not good at everything. Neither am I. Hire people that are better than you. And let me just say one more thing in regards to business. The the best leaders in business, they learn to trust the people around them. Are you willing to let go of some control? Ask yourself these questions. Do you trust the leaders around you to the point that you'll let them make tough decisions? Do you trust the leaders around you to learn? Do you trust them to grow? Do you trust them to experience their own failures? If you build a culture that truly empowers the leaders you bring in, it can be incredibly powerful for the business that you lead. Okay, so how does this, lastly, how does this apply? How does this work for the church? How does this surrender thing work in the church? And I'm just going to simply say this. Allowing God to control us will benefit the church like nothing else could. Jesus is the one who said, I will build my church. He'll do a much better job at building His church than you or I ever could. So I want to say, loosen your grip. Trust the Lord. Surrender to Him. Loosen your grip. What's your decision? Are you trying to control things that are completely out of your control? 
Or will you surrender control to the one who's in control? Psalm 46.10 Be still. Loosen your grip. And know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Surrender can actually be one of the bravest, most courageous things you'll ever do. Surrendering your life to God means you follow His lead, not knowing where He will lead you. Surrendering your life means that you wait for God's timing, not knowing when it will come. Surrendering your life to God means you trust His provision, not knowing how He'll provide. And surrendering your life to God means you trust His purposes, even though you don't understand the circumstances. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Men, today is day eight of the 40-day challenge. And I just want to say, keep up the good work. Earlier this week, I asked some of you guys, I sent out an email. I asked you to send me uh, and to share with me how God has been working in your life so far through this challenge. And I was, man, I was greatly encouraged by some of the emails that I got back. And I was greatly encouraged to see how God has already been working in the hearts and lives of men. And we're only eight days in. So here's some of the highlights that you sent me. And the reason I'm saying this is because I want to encourage all of us as men. Like we're journeying together. But some of you committed. Some of you have already made commitments. Some of you committed to spend more time reading the Scriptures. Gosh, you can never go wrong with that. Some of you committed to better lead your family spiritually. Some of you made the commitment to hold yourself more responsible for the spiritual well-being of your family. Some of you committed to better lead your wife spiritually. Dang. Others made commitments to, to pray for your family on a daily basis. And there were some that made commitments that by the grace of God, you will become better men. How awesome is that? I don't know. I don't know about you. I've never heard a wife or mother, a woman say, I don't want that from my husband. Like to be a better man, to love me better, to, you know, to take care of his family, to pray for us on a daily basis. I don't want that. I've never, right? We've never heard that. Fellas, because of Jesus, man, we are redeemed. Because of Jesus, you are worthy. Because of Jesus, your shame and regret can be erased. Because of Jesus, you don't have to be who you used to be. Okay, We can become better men because of Jesus, because of His power, because of His grace. And man, I am praying for you earnestly. The pastors of grace are praying for you fervently that you will become better men and that we can impact La Plata County by the grace of God. Let me close in prayer this morning. Father God, <clears throat> thank You for the work that You're doing through the Holy Spirit in the lives of men here at Grace Church. And I pray that You would help these men to keep their commitments. And may we be better men because of this challenge. Lord, we know redemption comes 
through surrender. Help us to loosen our grip. And Lord, we know that You set us free. Lord, we know because of You we are redeemed. And we know because of You we're not who we used to be. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.